Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Today is Wednesday, November the 10th, and for us as Lutherans, it is Martin Luther's birthday. He was born on this day in 1483, so this would be his 538th birthday today. For, for his birthday, we gather as he would always have it, which is around the Word of God and to put on our Christ goggles, as he said it. And we studied with those Christ goggles Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Solomon ended chapter 9 reminding us that one sinner destroys much good, which we can see in our world. Everything can be going well, but all it takes is one issue, one sinner to make everything go crazy. And he continues to highlight that throughout our text today of, of showing us the difference of a wise person and a fool and gives us some good instructions on how to, quote, be a wise guy. Should be fun today as we continue to be in his word for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thy Strong Word is graciously underwritten by our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation. For more information of their great work around the world, bringing biblically um, sound, Christ-centered materials to around the nations, visit lhfmissions.org, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we welcome back regular guest Pastor John Schenk of Trinity Lutheran Church and School in Edwardsville, Illinois. Pastor Schenk, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Well, thank you for having me again. It's always an honor to be on and uh, to explore the text, the Word of the Lord, uh, together. And, and, and Pastor, so, yeah, I'm excited to get to Ecclesiastes, because this is one of those that I've, I've thought this every chapter is not a book I've typically dug into besides maybe a few chapters here or there. Um, but when I do, it's always a joy. But before we get to that, Pastor, what's going on for you, your family, and the work of the, work of the saints at Trinity? So yeah, we we uh, definitely are um, going through our church uh, and school year together. Uh, very excited. Uh, there's lots of lots of things happening. We have just made it through our volleyball season. Our girls just came in second in the state in volleyball, nice. which was awesome. Nice. Yeah, it's like the best they've done in like ten years. So it's, it was great. It was great. To, they, these girls have been together since uh, preschool. And they've really formed huge bonds in the family. So it's uh, not just they they had this success, but they kind of their whole time at Trinity kind of you know capping off with such a, a great run. And um, other mm. things too, you know, our church uh, has a sausage supper. So on the twenty first, we have our annual sausage supper. So those things are a big deal for churches on our side of the river. I don't know if uh, your churches do things like that, but. Uh, Sausage suffers are pretty pretty huge around here. Hmm. That is, you know, and that's one thing that's unique about Central Minnesota is that there isn't a lot of those kind of suppers right in my area. About twenty miles outside of us, there, there's a lot of that. But around here, I'm used to like, okay, the Methodists have the breakfast on this Saturday, and then the Lutherans do this sausage supper on that night, and then the Gemilakite is that time, and the Ludafist supper is over there. But not so much in my area, so I guess we'll just have to go to Edwardsville to uh, to experience this. So yeah, that's, like that's every what we got. week, every week is a different <laughs> church. So you just gotta go from church to church to church. You gotta get it's like the uh, you know Santa Claus gotta you know fatten you up for for Christmas. So we're definitely oh, getting yes. ready for our Advent uh, fasting by feasting ahead of time. That is uh, 
true. So, yeah, lots of oh, things going on, a, a lot of wonderful realities of, of being church and school together. It's a great time of year, especially coming off of, you know, Reformation and then All Saints and being able to, exp- oh, you know, proclaim to our kids, you know, what Reformation is really all about and then bringing it to the forefront with All Saints Day. I mean, we had a really, you know, a tragic situation. One of our members was just, just a huge part of our life. Taught in, the, you know, was an aide in the school, taught Sunday school for, you know, 25, 30 years plus, um, and um, just did everything with the kids. Uh, was mm-hmm. called home to be with the Lord. And we can then proclaim to this, these kids, this is what Reformation is all about, to give us that hope. Therefore, on All Saints Day, we understand what it is to be the saints in white. We understand what it is to have this peace of the Lord, uh, which is our true wisdom, uh, knowing that his victory has been won. So we've been dealing with that as a, a congregation and, and little kids, you know, watching our little preschoolers, um, you know, mourning for for someone that they really loved and uh, wonder, trying to figure all this out as, as little kids do, uh, but it being able to proclaim to them uh, the victory of our Lord. And that's a great, a great opportunity to to ad- admit that we do grieve, but yet we do not grieve without hope as we look at All Saints Day and, and the blessed service of those who served and, and are now with him. Uh, thank you for the update. Reminder to our listeners to, to pray for Trinity as they grieve the loss of one of their beloved teachers and also for our children as they try to, try to just go through that, that part of their life. Pray for children when they lose loved ones because sometimes that we, sometimes they don't always fully bring that together and that's where we as a church can, um, with the gospel. So pastor, as we pray for your church, can you begin our time in prayer? Yes, let us pray. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Oh Lord, our Heavenly Father, be with us as we remember and give thanks for your servant, Luther. We ask, O oh Lord, to be with your church as we follow in his example to proclaim the pure message of the gospel to troubled consciences, to our children who are struggling with the reality of sin and death. Help them to know, either here at Trinity and throughout the world, that their Savior lives. We are living in the time of the resurrection, for our Lord Jesus has been raised and we too shall arise. Be with us today as we study your word and rejoice in your truth. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions concerning our text today of Ecclesiastes chapter 10, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or give us a call, 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. Pastor, I love how you started us today in your prayer, reminding us of of the reality of the resurrection, which, which we focus on in Reformation, we focus on this in All Saints, but also we read scripture with that reality that Christ has risen from the dead. And chapter 10 kind of gives us, it continues with these short, pithy lines of wisdom. So in light of the resurrection and this wisdom, how do you want to start us off today? Yeah, so in Ecclesiastes, the, the, the preacher is, is bringing us through this, this knowledge that life life outside of the fear of the lord is is vapor it it is meaningless it it doesn't have real substance to it and so we've seen that in previous chapters kind of worked out that folliness of seeking after all these things apart from the wisdom of the lord 
But in the wisdom of the Lord, life can have meaning in the fear of the Lord. And there is great wisdom to have in him. Um, So when we talk about meaningless and everything is meaningless, well, everything is meaningless apart from him. So just because it's said in Scripture doesn't mean it's a scriptural truth to be held on to, right? There is falseness that is proclaimed in Scripture to be understood rightly, right? Uh, That everything is meaningless. Well, only everything is meaningless if you don't have the Lord and if you don't live in the fear of the Lord. But living in the fear of the Lord, then life isn't meaningless. Life has a meaning, and it, and it has wisdom, the wisdom that we have from him. So as we hear these words of wisdom, we've kind of turned the page from the complete and utter meaninglessness of Ecclesiastes, and we're getting closer and closer to where you will be at the end of chapter 12, which leads mm-hmm. us uh, to a conclusion um, that, no, life is not completely meaningless, but the end of the matter is, to fear God and to keep his commandments. Um and this is um this is our duty and and this is what is what is true. So as we look at our chapter it's it's moving in that direction. So kind of throughout Ecclesiastes we've had to hold these tensions in in mind that we've had, you know, your maybe a, one of your main chapters of chapter 3 where we've had different uh mm-hmm. times of of uh sowing and reaping seems like we as a people, when we hear of one thing, like uh, a church will hear, well, that the, the cross is, is good, it is good to bear the cross. Well, then we think, well, suffering is the main and only thing, and so everybody should just suffer. We kind of fall right. into that extreme. But in Christ, we also can enjoy the, the fruitfulness of the earth. Well, so that, does that mean that we should just cast off every suffering and, and live and, and seek after every pleasure? No, we have to hold these things in tension. And as we hold these things in tension, um, then we can understand um, that the that it's the fear. It's the fear of the Lord, the wisdom that comes with trusting in God that is over all of these things as we hold everything together in Christ, which leads us into our chapter. Yeah, and, and and that is that is very helpful. I mean, you brought the whole thing. I mean, this is wonderful. You brought it all together. It comes back to at the end, which is going to be for us on Friday, uh, chapter twelve. That you know, it ends just kind of like fear the Lord. You know, uh, follow His commands. You know, Amen. And and it really is a fascinating end to this. That um, He doesn't end the way He starts, which is vanity, vanity. Everything is vanity, which He could have, but He didn't. Right. It comes back to the Lord so clearly. It's not always clear in this book, but it ends so clearly, which to me gives me another filter as I look back on a whole Ecclesiastes, that this was always about the whole time, um, that if you just look without God, yeah, vanity, vanities, but when you fear God, we understand God's grace and we understand how we are to live and we understand all that comes together and clearly that Christ is our wisdom that we know from First Corinthians. So that is, you know, I love it. Maybe we should have started in chapter 12 and then went back to one. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But today, <laughs> well, today yeah. we are here. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. You don't, I don't know. I, I think, I think it's, yeah, I think you did good that uh, you followed the, the direction because there's definitely, uh, um, but it, you know, in, in one ways we should be, we should be doing a marathon, right? That, you, right. you should have all of the verse, all of the chapters read at at one large setting, which just doesn't 
sadly, it doesn't really fit us too much. Maybe we don't fit, maybe the better way of looking at it, we don't fit the scriptures too much, because the scriptures are are given to be held together, um, and um, when they're taken in such isolation, that's why it's kind of good to kind of jump to the end and bring it back and, and see where we're at, give a, a bigger swath, because that's how it would have been read together. Um, True. And then yeah. when it's read together, then yes, faith in God is the only thing that gives meaning to human existence. Well, uh, because apart from that, the testing of that uh, thesis falls apart, right? Life apart from faith in God, that's vapor. There's there's nothing to it. Striving Maybe. after the wind, which is the yeah. exact uh, striving after the wind. So let's do this. Let's dig in. And we're just going to go verse 1, just verse 1 to begin. Reminder to our listeners to be reading from the English Standard Version of Scripture, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, the first verse. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. I couldn't help but think about the kid's song, Shoe Fly Don't Bother Me, um, when I was reading this. But what is the purpose of what he, and I think it connects to the previous chapter, talking about dead fly and in the ointment, and what is he trying to emphasize? Yeah, I, I think that there is, an understanding, maybe take a, a a New Testament picture into mind with a a little leaven leavens the whole lump kind of reality that mm-hmm. um, you know the purity of wisdom compared to adding if you add a little bit of foolishness if you add a little bit of falseness to a truth doesn't it make it all untrue or or foolishness or I don't know stupidity, whatever it is. Uh, when it comes to mm-hmm. when it comes to doctrine, I had a uh, a teacher in my undergrad, and all the all the little boys in uh, in middle school they they kind of love these analogies that I make. The girls just kind of shake their heads. Um, so this is about uh, if I brought in a pan of um, brownies, right? They look great. Mm-hmm. They smell fantastic. I love brownies, especially if you add some ice cream on top to that. Right? Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to eat it. Mm-hmm. But what if I said to you, I just added, you know, a pinch of dog poop to it. Now, you might look the same. It might smell the same. But I don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. Like, I don't want any right. of that. Therefore, our kids, our boys, right, they love thinking about these kind of gross images. Our girls just shake their heads and think I haven't matured at all. But it, it really stuck with me because I am a boy, mm-hmm. and no, I am not mature. Um, but uh, <laughs> that, that a little bit of falseness, when it comes to the doctrine, it does make a perfume, a beautiful aroma to the Lord, and it makes it stink. So we have to be very careful when it comes to doctrine, when it comes to the truth of the Lord, um, because we can take what is true and add a little bit of falseness to it, and it makes it all false, right? And that's and that's a great reminder for us, because we do have a tendency to say, well, is it really that big of a deal? Whatever it is on the list when it comes to doctrine, we wouldn't say that way with medications, you know, is it really that big yep. of a deal if you add this medication to that medication? Well, yeah, it is actually. Um, but we tend to treat doctrine like, well, that's true, but. Um, 
And, and, and that's something where we all have to keep that in mind. And he's definitely bringing that out in the previous verse where he speaks about one sinner destroys much good, which we can see in our own lives. I mean, you can have a great class or you can have a great working environment. All it takes is one person to really make it a, a toxic place to be. And that's, I mean, it, we know this, but yet we tend to treat God like, well, you know, it isn't that big of a deal where, I mean, if there's anything we should be treating like the big deal is why we have the Lutheran confessions, why we use a small catechism. We want to make sure that we have it right. And so there isn't these little, what do you call it? What would you just say? Just a little drop or whatever it is of, of dog poop. Um, we don't want that in there because even if, even if you question whether or not that's in there, you don't want to eat it and you don't want to be around it. So I'm going to use that tonight somehow in my confirmation class. So thank you for that. The boys will the love boys it. will love it. The girls will shake their heads. <laughs> I think you're an idiot. Um, oh my goodness! It is true when it comes. You know, sadly, it often happens when it comes to. You know, we just never want to lower our guard, right? And maybe it's maybe it's Sunday school, maybe it's VBS, maybe it's our evangelism. Maybe it's our interaction with other church bodies, and we say, "Well, can't we just can we overlook this one falsehood, or why are we being so strict about this or that?" Well, like you said about medicine, this is the medicine of our souls. This is the care of our eternal well-being. If we wouldn't uh, play around with the the medicine of our earthly hearts, um, probably we should even take more care. For our eternal well-being, that we are we are careful when it comes to our children. I mean, our our parents are very careful about what their kids eat, and this child has this kind of allergy. Don't you got to make mm-hmm. sure you've got to be really careful about what they take into themselves. Well, even more so, we have to be very careful of what our children take into themselves when it comes to the what we declare to them to be the truth. So let's be even more more on guard for our children, Sunday school, VBS, you know, missions, realities. It's these times we think we maybe let down our guard, but we should not. We should be even more on guard. As as Paul tells Timothy in First Timothy four sixteen, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So definitely we are to take this serious because salvation is at stake, which we have in Christ. So, Pastor, we better keep moving. We're, uh, I mean, we could talk all day on that verse, but uh, are you ready to move on the next uh, next verse? Just one more verse. Sounds good. Sounds good. Let's do it. Verse 2. And I have a story with this one as well. Verse 2. A wise man's heart inclines him, inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. And I want to share this story and see if you have anything similar. A couple years ago, uh, a couple came into my um, office and they you know, they were very serious individuals and said, Pastor, we need to talk to you. Okay. So I sat down and they took this little card and it had Ecclesiastes 10 verse two on it. And they had me read it. And they said, Pastor, can you read this? Okay. And you know, you don't know what's happening here. And it had this, why is man, why is man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. And then they asked me, which way are you going to vote this next election? And I was like, "Oh boy, I don't know what's happening here." So, Pastor, is that is that what Solomon was thinking? A political move? Are you going to be on the right side of conservatism, or are you going to be on the left side in liberalism? What do you think? So, my reaction of laughing at them was not the one they're looking for. 
Um, probably I need <laughs> I need to I need to work on my poker face. Um, Me too, and I did too. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Be serious. They, these people need my serious pastoral care uh, because that's that is silly, right? That is that is to um, and really that that brings us back to the last verse is to bring falseness into God's word. This this word of God, which is eternal, which is about our salvation cannot be manipulated for this political party or for that political party so that someone may take the reins of a sinking ship, which is this world. You want to uh, be the captain of a sinking ship? Go for it, right? Mm -hmm. You want to reign and rule over this world, which is passing away? Go. Go and serve your neighbor. But know that this word is not about one political party or another or one party being right and the other party being wholly wrong. It's about Christ. So let's not manipulate God's word. Obviously, it gets uh, gets pastors usually a little uh, uh, worked up because um, this is a text um, not about uh, which party should win this election. It's about Christ who has won the victory of your salvation. And, mm-hmm. and that's in fact, they have chosen the left, right? Uh, because the right is to to be on his right, which is to right. be seating with him in power and authority and wisdom, but to turn to the left. So the left hand is weakness and and um, and um, to be maybe even a, a trickster or uh, to be underhanded. So all of we have to take that context of what right and left hand realities were about not political parties uh not um uh libertarianism and conservatism or or whatever it is uh today it's about um it's really about uh the the righteousness of Christ and this is where interesting in Dr. Bullhagen's commentary, he speaks a lot about, you know, how how do we how do we reconcile this verse and how do we look at it? He does address that politically people will use this verse, but he definitely says um, the solid ground that we all can stand on is that that we understand that the wise and the fools are on different you know, different directions. They're opposite of one another. Before we start thinking like, well, it might be a little bit foolish, it's no big deal. No. There's wise and then there's foolish. And like you said, uh, the wisdom is in Christ. And if it's not in Christ, then it's foolish. And we need to make that very, very clear. And he's really hitting us over the head with that um, right at the beginning. So don't make, you know, like it's kind of like in my vicarage congregation, you had communion and you had had an octagonal church. And you had like it just went up like a like a uh, like a wine bottle at the top, you know, with the cork on the top, basically. And so when it got colder out in Kansas, you go there, and the flies would all habitate way up there because that's where the heat was. And then they continually died throughout the <laughs> throughout the winter. And you'd be you'd be like preaching, or my my supervisor would be doing communion, and boom, those flies would come down and go into the communion cup. <laughs> and so it was this crazy thing where you're like, okay. Now what do we do? Because a fly just flew into that. And you realize that's a big deal. People would make a big deal out of that, which they should, which is why we started covering it. Right. Um, yeah. But it, it just shows you that is the same way with the Lord. Any any Anything that will taint it, we have to take serious. And that's where definitely he's um, encouraging us. So any other thoughts on verses 1 and 2? No, because I think we'll, we keep building on this as we go. Yeah. Okay, good. Verse 3. 
Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. So, the the path is in front of him. What does it tell us about the fool? So, um, again, it's good to it's good to walk on the road, right? Um, but <laughs> yeah, even right. there, um, so when the fool steps out of his house, it's pretty obvious for. Um, a logical person to see that this person is foolish. Um, so no one really goes out and says that I am a fool, but in opening his mouth, <laughs> he's letting mm-hmm. foolishness out. Uh, so there's there's kind of a, a you know a proverb there about um, waiting to speak and um, being being uh, wise in in. In, in seeking counsel of wise people and, and letting them speak. Because when we speak, if we don't have anything to say or um, true wisdom, wisdom that comes from God, then we're going to show the world how foolish we are um, even when we outwardly are doing the right thing. And it, it really is interesting. I like, how you, I like how you put that because it does remind us of we have to always think before we speak and how often um, we just keep talking and, and you know, no one admits that they're a fool, but they will, they will show it that they're foolish, that here's, yeah. here's, here's the path, but yet you don't follow it. And we all, we all have situations in our life that's there. Clearly the path is right there, the way, the truth and life in Christ. But yet we and others um, will sometimes think that there might be a better path or a different path, or it's not a big deal, the path, just as long as you have a path. No, there's there's one path, and it's, it's very obvious what it is. So don't look like a fool. Um, live in the wisdom of God. Anything else in verse 3? Uh, no. Okay, verse 4. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. Pastor, we have about a minute and a half before our break. What are your thoughts on verse four? So, if um, it could be confusing, but if you take place as like station, mm-hmm. so if you are, if the anger of the ruler rises against you, so if you are rebuked by the anger uh, of the ruler, or maybe if you, you take it in uh, more modern context, your boss gets mad at you, right? Mm-hmm. So your boss gets mad at you, you did something wrong. Um, Often our first response is to be like, well, no, you're wrong, <laughs> to like fight back. Uh, instead, allow calmness uh, not to leave, you know, well, fine, I quit, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what, what benefit did you just do to yourself? Now, if, you're the, if it was in the fullness of being a king or a ruler, if you were like, well, you know, you're a guard and you're not doing a good job as a guard, well, then fine. When he's not looking, I'll just, you know, I'll leave my guard duty. Well, you can lose your life. So your your folly to fight back or to want to raise up against the ruler where um, true wisdom is to to be calm, to take it in stride, to listen, and maybe the, the reproach here, maybe well, that's even right. Um, and that calmness uh, and taking the the correction from your boss or the correction from your teacher or the correction from the king and taking that to heart and to uh, uh, live in that, that lays offenses to rest. It, it actually can allow that to pass on by. Um, but yes. 
your thoughts. I want to talk. I want to touch more about that after our break because I do have a few thoughts, and I love how you laid the groundwork for us. But right now, we need to take our break. We are studying Ecclesiastes chapter ten with Pastor John Shank, and we'll be right back. Jesus and his life-giving word and his friends who care. That's what you will find at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church, Arnold, Missouri. Come and experience for yourself the difference that Christ and his people can make in your life today. Sunday morning worship services are at 9 o'clock. Bible class at 1030. Follow Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Listen to his word. Good Shepherd Lutheran Church, 2211 Tinbrook Road, Arnold, Missouri. Or on the web at goodshepherdarnold.org. Take a look around you. Look closely. Immigrants in the United States and their U.S.-born children now number about 81 million people, or 26% of the population. So chances are there's someone right in your community who doesn't speak English as a first language and who doesn't know Jesus. The Lutheran Heritage Foundation can help by providing you with free Lutheran books translated into over 90 languages. See their complete list of catechisms and Bible storybooks at lhfmissions.org. And welcome back. We are studying Ecclesiastes chapter 10 with Pastor John Schenk. And we just concluded our first four verses. And I wait, I'm glad we, we dug into that a little more because each one has its own intricate detail to it. And this one, as you said, there's, there's that station of life, that place where when a ruler rises against you, the best response is not to run. Which, which is kind of how, you know, kind of that fight or flight mentality that we will speak about, but to stay in your place while at the same time, it doesn't say stay in your place and fight till the end. Um, this isn't necessarily a here I stand moment like Martin Luther on his birthday today, but with calmness, um, calmness for all this will, will lay great offense to rest, basically telling us that, that, to calmly and lovingly um, give care, to do what is right, and from there the Lord Lord will help us. Um, that it will. I don't want to say it will work out in the end. That's not the right way to say it. But the Lord will work through that for the sake of His purposes. Yeah, because this is like a this is like a proverb. So we're not we're not applying this to every situation, right. but generally, the general wisdom. Of the Proverbs, or this proverb, this uh, piece of wisdom, is not to rebel, right? You, you're not going to succeed. You want to fight the king? Who, who are you, right? He's got an army. You've got you, right? And even if you get, well, I'll get ten of my friends. He's got an army. What are you going to do, yeah. right? So yeah. this is a, a general proverb against letting your emotions run wild so that when you are corrected, you know, you guys need to act up on that watch and you need to do this and do that. Take it in stride because when you're calm and say, what? Yes, sir. Well, then he respects you, right? Mm-hmm. He respects mm-hmm. that you are doing your duty and you are listening because you know your place, right? And that reflects your place before God, too. 
And that's where um, we move forward to he gives these pithy statements and then there's kind of a combination verses five through seven, which kind of gives us a, a reality of the world. Like this is, this is the reality. And, and that's one thing I've heard over and over again in our studies is, is that Solomon's a realist. He's not a fatalist. He's not saying there's no hope. There's nothing there. You know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He says in Proverbs, which is definitely how we see it here, but he's a realist. And so I want to really ask you on, on this, how is he being a realist here? Verses five through seven. There's an evil that I've seen under the sun, as it were, an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. So like I said, I, I see this as Solomon's being a realist. And how, how is he being a realist in these verses? So I think we're dealing with it as, um, so like the rich sitting in low places and slaves on horses where princes walk. It's like um, either, either we're, because um, I haven't, <laughs> I guess I'm not, I'm not on solid ground just as, as of yet. So either <laughs> we're dealing with um, the reality of people that should, that are gifted, that are true, wa- truly wise and should be in the places of leading, mm-hmm. um, and yet are not. So, like, they should be uh, counselors, uh, and, and yet they're just kind of, um, you know, left walking like the, the slave should be. Or we have the proverb, again, about overthrowing, right? That is a mm-hmm. bad reality for the land if we have riotous overthrowing of the of the known structure where if the if the government is overthrown this is going to be bad because what replaces the um good leadership is going to be maybe a populist movement that doesn't really know how to lead and uh, and that's not going to be good um it won't be good for the people so you kind of I kind of go back and forth as I read this chapter between those two, uh, because both things could apply, especially as we hear the next few verses, because the next few verses could just be seen as just prudence, right? It's, uh, okay, that's smart. Um, I'll be careful. Or it could be seen as against riotous overthrowing of known structures and governments. Oh, that's good. So that understanding of God has put these people in place and you're just fighting against it because you don't like it, period. And there's no real good reason for it. You want to rule. And that's and then uh, I read in the commentary, too, is that people who covet the positions of power are probably not qualified to have positions of power. Right, and so you right. you definitely see that reality in in these verses, and it's it's a it's a realistic view of life that you're going to have people who are who are folly or fools. They're going to be in high positions, and people who not rich in the sense of like oh the evil rich person who you know they got their place, but the understanding of some you know the people that are you know probably should be in power are not. And so that's a reality. That's what we live with. And and I've seen slaves on horses, not to say slaves don't have an opportunity or something, but saying, you know, some of this, we took people out of positions that they were called to and, and qualified for, for probably no reason. 
and and that it can be a little tricky to read this. But like you said, then it kind of gets into work um, situations for the next few verses. But I just want to check anything else in verses five through seven that you want to highlight. All, all I would say is that it's hard not to read it outside of our American context. Right? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. exactly. As an American, we're like, but we had to kick off the shackles of our enslavement. Well, it's like, wait, 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 wait. Like, can <laughs> you maybe step out of your American context into a greater picture that um, maybe, because we don't do it in anything else, right? We don't, um, we don't take the person in the manual labor job and say, okay, you become the CFO, you handle all the money and make sure everything's being paid and all the taxes and you understand the, the loan structure and you keep the all this going, right? We're like, well, he doesn't know how to do that. He's never been trained. Well, that's the problem, right? Mm-hmm. That's the problem. If the, the you know, and, and maybe there are some political structures that would look at that and say, though, that'd be a good thing. Well, here it's saying, well, maybe that's not really a fully good thing because, you know, there is training, there is wisdom that's needed to be in these positions. It doesn't say, and we'll get to those verses later on, that those who are in positions can't do a bad job. That is bad for the, the country or the, the business structure, too. If they're, not, if they're not seeing their position as a weight, a weight that they've got to carry now. So if, in their, if they're in that position, they've got to, they've got to work properly so that the people can benefit from their leadership. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. We, we have a tendency to think that, you know, are you saying that they never sin or something? No, it's not that at all. But let's, let's step back. If someone's a doctor, we, we probably should have them do doctor things. You know, <laughs> somebody is, you know. Don't and, call and, on me. <laughs> right. Don't call on and pastor and me to, to try to do surgery. I'm going to call one of my members who is a surgeon in trauma that, I want him doing that surgery for us, that kind of thing. And that's definitely what he's saying is let's take a step back and let's be wise. Um, And it kind of, I mean, he lays it out pretty simply throughout this chapter. Um, Very simple, wise statements that we can follow. As we understand, it begins in the fear of the Lord. So, Pastor, let's keep moving forward. Go ahead, keep going. one, One last quick thing. That shows us how quickly we are inclined to rebellion, though. Right. Because right. we hear yeah. it and we're like, but not me. I could do it. What are you saying? I shouldn't be. Oh, wait. Yeah. We are so quick to say I could do it better than, you know, I stayed yep. in a Holiday Inn Express last night. I could do that. <laughs> it's like, no. Don't put down the scalpel. Get the doctor. Then we're like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. But there are times where in our hearts, we have, our immediate response is not me, uh, you know, I shouldn't be in this position. So, yeah. Right. Oh, that's good. So let's keep, let's keep moving forward. Verses 8, and we'll go through verse 11. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through the wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength, but wisdom helps one to succeed. If the serpent bites before it's charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. So here, I, I kind of saw this as, and I'm reading some of the, the situations. It basically was, be careful and plan ahead. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think 
when I first read these words, I'm like, what in the world am I going to say? You know, <laughs> What's going on here, yo? <laughs> thank, thank you to God. Other people did uh, a lot of research and, and study, way more than I could have done, and we just use them and, and, and kind of figure things out here. Because, yeah, I think there is that immediate context where it's like, yes, these are dangerous jobs. Be careful. What? <laughs> like, we didn't know that. Um, mm-hmm. But I well, think that there well. is a sense of... <laughs> Um, a greater picture towards uh, towards rebellion um, and a, towards the sense that if we want to chop down uh, what has been established, then that might fall on top of you and you might cr- be crushed. So we look, you know, heavy as the weight of the crown, right? Mm-hmm. And that weight might be a lot heavier than what you thought, right? And when we, we you might do it in your job. You know, I'm going to sabotage my boss and I'll get his job. Well, guess what? Then you're in that position and someone might sabotage you too. Heavy is the weight of having to care for everyone underneath you. So um, when it talks about querying stones, yes, the um, you know we can all look at that and be like, that would be a really dangerous job. Well, sure. But I think we all know that. But, you know, cutting down and, and um, taking down monument, you know, the, the stone realities uh, of these things to, to to move them from place to place. But the reality is if we take down um, a large tree, what has been established, the tall one, because we picked him out, we can see him from afar, we can take him down. Well, that tree might fall on you too. So um, and so there is a, a lot of, I think there's a lot of that wisdom in these words too. Exactly. And that, and that is something, um, I like how you said, it's like, well, we, okay, we know that, but let's be honest. How many times do we need someone to tell us? Because we were up and down in our own like physical state, our own emotional state and our own spiritual state. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know that I'm forgiven, but you, you better tell me and give me that forgiveness constantly because I need it. I forget it. And, And that's, what's great about these like go back to chapter 12 or going forward to chapter 12, he begins with remember your creator. And here he's just going down basic premises to show us that we are rebellious by nature. That's since Adam and Eve, that's what we've been. And so he's like, okay, you know, when you're going to cut those stones, guess what? That might be dangerous. You know, if you, the iron is blunt, well, you're gonna have to work harder. If the serpent bites you um, before the charmer does anything, what benefit is that? And so it's all simple stuff, but yet, we all need a reminder of little things, brushing your teeth and saying your, to your spouse you love them and to be at home when you need to be home. I mean, all simple, but we need those reminders. That's part of what I thought, too. Any other thoughts on those verses? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's true, and um, there is a prudence to it. But as we look at the whole, if you just put this whole chapter together, especially as yeah. we're getting further along, you see that there is this, um, continual reality of the ruler and uh, the structure, and um, so I, I think that there is there's a great. Otherwise, these things, these all these things, seems just kind of like a shotgun approach to. I'm going to give you some mm-hmm. wisdom. Bang! Here it is, and it's Done. like, well, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, maybe I got a you know a BB here and a BB there of this wisdom, but I don't really understand the greater. Um, you know, scatter shot of this. But I think if we understand the scatter shot shows us that he's hitting a target, which is our inclination to rebel against God. We want to take his spot, right? We think we know better than him. Therefore, I'm going to take down that tree. 
God. Well, be careful because that tree is going to fall on you in judgment. So I think there's a greater picture mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So let's, with that bigger picture in mind, let's continue forward, verses 12 through 15. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though to, to no man knows what it is to be, and who can tell him what it will be after him? The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. So this continues that kind of feel. It's just a bunch of pithy statements. But like you said, in light of the rebellious of humankind, how would you unpack these verses? Yeah, I just think that you're, would you say you're finishing on, on Friday? So your yeah. mm-hmm. Friday verse, Bringing that here, that the fear of the Lord, right? Um, so you're, you are called to, to keep his commandments, right? That it's only in faith in God that life has meaning. But our meaningless life is, is found in the lips of those who have no wisdom. Well, that the person who has no wisdom says that there is no God. And how often in our lives do we hear those people those are the people that become the figureheads on 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 uh, talk shows and on hey, well let's let's find out what's really happening in the world. Let's seek after this uh, scientist. Well, what do you believe? Well, uh, Big Bang and uh, the world began, and you know there's life. Well, that's that's foolishness. That is complete foolishness. And yet we're like, well, no, that's like that, that's the smartest guy that ever lived. Um, no, right. that's vanity. And so I. I see this into that context that we are rebelling against God. And in that rebellion against God, there is no wisdom. But if we turn from that, we turn back to God and seek him, then life has meaning. And we can look at these things and go, oh, yeah, that's, that's foolishness. True wisdom comes from his word, not just to speak a lot, not just to say a lot of things. Because the more you talk, the more foolish you, you will look. And then even as we get closer to the end, it's like, well, um, you know, the toil of the of the fool wearies him, uh, for he does not even know the way to the city. <laughs> there, yeah. He doesn't even know how to get, you know, doesn't even know how to get home. He, he walks around. He doesn't, he has no direction to him. Again, it's like Solomon's just grabbing us. Like, yeah, sure, that, that makes a lot of sense. But there is a greater, like, I don't want to seem like, uh, you know, I'm trying to see, tell us to, like, look to the truth behind the truth kind of thing. But there is, <laughs> there is something more here that if a person has no direction to them, if they've got no grounding, if they don't know where north is, if they don't know where the city of Jerusalem is, they don't know where the temple, if they don't know where Jesus is, they're never going to make it to the, they're never going to make it there. They're going to wander this earth in complete, complete toil and, and be exhausted. But here, true rest is found in following our Lord, and that's wisdom. And that brings us back to verse 3. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense. He doesn't know if he's going north, south, east, or west, even though the, the path is right in front of him. And that really bring, and I love how you're, how you're breaking this down with the understanding of since Adam and Eve, we have been rebels without a cause <laughs> and 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 without the path without that direction we definitely 
lose sight of the path that's right in front of us, of, of grace, mercy, and, and peace, and forgiveness, and life, and salvation. It's all right there. And so why are we talking so much about these other things? You know, that's kind of one of the things right. I'm thinking here is why are we working so hard as if not, not working hard is bad, but that, that we, we, we do this toiling that does nothing but wearies us as opposed to going to the Lord who gives us peace. I mean, all of this really brings together. I love that piece, how you're pointing us to the rebellion. We have about six minutes left in our time, Pastor, so we probably have to move forward uh, pretty sure. quickly. But 16 through 18, we'll begin. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of the nobility and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Through sloth, the roofs sink in, and through the indolence, the house leaks. Now, we could we could start with this. Like, So what you're saying is don't eat your feast in the morning. Eat it throughout the day at better times. Um, is that what the advice is? What has he got here? It's a vice against indigestion. That's what we got here. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, it's... You know, I get this, and I laugh because it's like when I read this the first time again, I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> what am I going to say? Right. I have right. no idea. Like, But here, again, we've got a word. We've got a word against that immediate response. Our immediate response is, so Jesus just wants us to put our nose down and not care if we're following an, an idiot king. It's like, no, it is the Lord knows. The Lord knows it's bad if the king is a child. Why? Because what wisdom does that child have to lead, right? Normally, if you've got a child king, you've got a older counselor who's really running the show, right? Or right. if you've got a really, really old king who can't stay awake, then you've got somebody else running the show who's got a little more vitality underneath him. So, um, so yes, there is some there is some grounding that no, the Lord is not foolish to think that the the kings can't make the same uh, unwise or foolish mistakes. So if the king is not grounded in seeking wisdom from the Lord and knowing his place, his position has been a gift from God that is a weight that has been placed on his or her, their shoulders that their calling is to serve the people. Therefore, um, it is better, right, when the the princes feast at proper times. For what purpose? For strength. Because you got to eat, prince, king, eat to be fed and nourished because your people need you. You know, not for drunkenness. That You mm-hmm. don't want a king that just gets drunk all the time and is in feasting and uh, lives such a reckless life. Why? Because the roof will sink and the, the house leaks. Well, what does that mean? Well, the, 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 the kingdom will fall into disrepair if you've got a king or a ruler who is ruling only for their pleasures. Again, that brings you back to before when life was sought just for pleasures. Well, that's vanity of vanities. But if life is sought, no matter what position you're in, if you're the, the worker, the, the slave, the, the one who is a, a guard on the, the, the tower, if everyone is fearing the Lord and, and trusting in him, then the kingdom will be built up strong and, and the sense is, you know, the, the true king is ruling there. 
And it, and it, it isn't, that, that's a great way to uh, bring it back. Cause it is a very challenging couple of verses. Cause you're like, Oh, I could really oversimplify this, but definitely that idea of vocation, um, yeah. that we want, you know, cause there might be like, Oh, wow. I really like that King. You know, he, he eats a big breakfast and I like bacon and eggs and I like that kind of stuff. And you're totally denying the real purpose for what he is there to do, which is, um, to, to serve his people. Um, and he's, he's to eat in order to be strengthened, not to have a jolly good time all the time. Cause it, it does show that the problems of entering a room full of joy, as opposed to entering a room of mourning that you don't want someone coming into the room of mourning with like, Hey, this is so great. No, you want someone to come in that's going to care for people and he's going to be there for people. And so part of it is here is, one king lacks wisdom and the other one has it. And so who you're going to follow and who you're going to look to. Once again, our rebellion. We want things that doesn't even make sense many times. So, Pastor, can we finish off our time 18 through 20, excuse me, uh, 19 through 20, and then we'll wrap things around. We have about three minutes left in our time. Sounds good. Bread is made for laughter and wine gladdens life and money answers everything. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king. Nor in your bedroom curse the rich, for a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature tell the matter. So I think the first one I want you to address very quickly is, it says, money answers everything. That's totally different than the rest of Scripture. What is he saying there? <laughs> yeah, so again, this is uh, a general truth, right? General truths are that bread is for, for laughter, wine is for glad, gladden's life, and, and money does answer the, the need. Like if you're totally focused just on needs, well, yes, money will, will answer that. Um, but everything's, in, throughout this whole chapter, everything's been put in its proper place. Again, that one verse about place, knowing your place and staying calm. So again, the, the king doesn't eat for drunkenness. Here, we don't use money thinking that we're going to put all of our trust into it. But if God gives to us certain resources, we should use them uh, to answer the problems that we have today. Go ahead, you know, uh, <laughs> like the verses we fix the roof, uh, clear up those mm-hmm. uh, leaks, it answer those things. Uh, but it doesn't, it doesn't answer our greatest need because... All of that would be foolishness. Again, why? If we didn't already have faith and fear of the Lord. But in faith, here, faith in God is the only way that um, our lives are given meaning to human existence. So in faith and in, in fear of the Lord, even these things have their place, and they're put in their place. And that's a, a great way for us to look at verse 20 very quickly is just that understanding of, you know, uh, whatever, you, because we all have thoughts. It doesn't mean we need to share them because they can get passed around. We have eighth commandment, eighth commandment issues. Well, 20 seconds. What are your thoughts on, on verse 20? Yeah, we're not, we don't have, as Christians, we don't have freedom of speech. Our ah. lips and our mouths uh, belong to the Lord and our our words glorify his name. So when we're behind closed doors, even there, let's glorify his name and love our neighbor. 30 seconds, Pastor, how would you summarize this chapter? Yeah, the whole chapter is about trusting in the Lord. So no matter your position, your place, your calling today, 
Trust that the Lord has placed you there. Trust that the Lord um, is with you there. And, and trust that he ultimately is the Lord, the king over all. And he is not slothful. He is not lazy. He keeps and maintains his kingdom. So let us trust in him today and glorify his name. Pastor John Shank of Trinity Lutheran Church and School in Edwardsville, Illinois, giving us God's strong word of wisdom from Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Pastor Shank, thank you again for the gifts. Thank you, sir. Saints of our Lord, we need wisdom, and Solomon give it to us because we're rebellious. We need reminders. We need to be filled with God's grace because or else we'll go on our own path. But we know the path is before us because it is to Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. And so he tells us again, stay steadfast in that trust. Your work, your callings, your family, all of it, we see it through the lens of Jesus. So, O oh Lord, help us to be wise, wise in Christ. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.